welcome to the Grief and Well Nurse podcast, hosted by me, Stephanie Maloney-Diaz. Now, if you've listened to last week's episode, then you'll know I'm going to be diving into the world of anxiety. I'm going to talk a little bit about the anxiety that comes after loss, and I'm going to talk about trigger warnings. But to start, we'll just dive straight in to talk about what anxiety is. So, I got the dictionary off this one for you. So, according to Oxford Dictionary, anxiety is the state of feeling nervous or worried that something bad is going to happen. So, let's face it. After loss, something bad has already happened. Our hearts are broken. Our world's completely changed. Forever changed. Something bad has happened. So it makes complete sense that our anxiety is going to increase. So if you focus on anxiety separately, um, to start, as I said in my previous podcast, anxiety does not mean that you have an anxiety disorder. It's a human experience. It is an emotion. People have negative emotions and positive emotions, and they're part of your mental health. Um. So anxiety is an emotion, right? And it's a normal human experience. So how can we tell the difference between having normal anxiety and having an anxiety disorder? Well, if your anxiety becomes an issue, like let's say you can't manage it anymore, as in, I suppose kind of like as in the name, anxiety disorder, it becomes disordered so the emotion of anxiety is now disordered which means you cannot function in your daily life with it you may be avoiding to leave your house you may be avoiding to go into shops you may be avoiding to use your phone and to talk to people to socialize to things that you used to do you may now be avoiding um if your anxiety is preventing you from living your life to its fullest extent, then you may have an anxiety disorder. Many of us adapt different skills as we grow up to cope with our anxiety. A simple example of this is when we're in school and exams are coming up or you're in school and you're asked to do a speech or like even out of school and you're asked to do a speech. Um, a lot of people will face anxiety. Um, you know, and we all go through it differently. So some people might get really sweaty pants. Some people might get butterflies in their stomach. Other people might have headaches. Um, these are all like symptoms of anxiety. Not necessarily an anxiety disorder, but of anxiety. For most of us, we learn coping techniques like reminding ourselves of a past, um, it'll be over soon. Some of us may use affirmations or do an activity to clear our minds from that anxiety, um, like listening to music, for example. But what I've learned and what I recommend, I believe it's the best, in my opinion, it's the best um, coping skill that our body actually does naturally. And that is we sigh. We do this sometimes before 
and oftentimes after when we felt anxious. A sigh is our body's natural way of releasing that tension that comes from anxiety or stress and all the negative emotions build up tension in our bodies and our body knows what to do. That's why we sigh. It naturally takes a deep breath, relaxes the muscles and releases the tension. So that's probably the biggest tip that I want uh, people to take away today is next time you're feeling anxious or you see someone who may look anxious, remind them to sigh. Just tell them, do a sigh. Make yourself sigh. Because um, you're, when you're sighing, you're, you, know, you do the balloon breathing naturally. Uh, whereas if you tell someone to take a deep breath, sometimes they breathe wrong. So it doesn't always help. Isn't that why when we sigh, people ask us, are you okay? Because it's a clear sign that you're worried about something or something stressing you out. But after loss, anxiety does increase in many different ways. We may worry about what the future may look like without that person in it. We may worry about the loss of other loved ones. There's a lot of worries that crop up after loss. In my own grief experience, my anxiety came from the moment we were told that Sophia had died. I was anxious with the thoughts of having to give birth to my dead baby. I was anxious having to go into hospital with all these strangers knowing that my baby had died. I was anxious thinking about seeing other babies who were born around the same time as Sophia and meeting doting parents. That was just the beginning. As time went by, I'd become worried about seeing prams being pushed. I'd, on my walks, I'd worry about seeing anything that was baby related, like dodies on the sidewalk. I'd, even in the shops, I'd worry about seeing baby clothes and the anxiety that was going to bring to me or the sadness it would bring to me. Um, talking to people in public about my loss, I was worried about crying, worried about getting emails from the different baby subscriptions that I would have um, subscribed to during my pregnancy. Then I was worried about other baby girls being born into the family and Sophia being forgotten. There's times I still worry if she will be forgotten. I think that's only natural that we do have that worry as parents. You know, our babies didn't get to leave their mark on the world in the way that we can. I sometimes worry when I see pregnancy announcements or I see a pregnant woman. I just think, please let that baby stay. I absolutely still feel joy for them and I can still find that excitement. I can control my anxiety in those moments. But those thoughts do come in. The worries of, I hope they don't have to go through this. Back at what I did in the early days when my anxiety increased, I definitely did an activity that would distract my mind often 
what I would really do is name it as it is. So I'd say, hey, I'm feeling anxious. You know what? I have every goddamn reason to be feeling this way. But you'll you'll get through it. It'll pass. So I'd face it head on. And I would remind myself that this exposure, this increase in my anxiety, the fact that I'm exposing myself to it will only improve my coping of it. I did this throughout my pregnancy after loss journey and anyone that is going through PAL, pregnancy after loss, it is the most anxiety provoking experience that you'll ever have. People don't understand. People will say things like, oh, congratulations. But that's very hard sometimes for us to accept after a loss because yes, we want to celebrate the baby. And I always encourage celebration in PAL. Always say, try to find little moments that you can just celebrate your baby. Don't let grief take over. Let that love you have for your babies out China. That's why I always say, but I absolutely get the extent of the anxiety that comes. I've, I've been in it. I know it's not easy. But I think I'll talk about the PAL um, journey in a different podcast. So to go back on my anxiety and what I did, I suppose I learned to rest and digest rather than fight or flight. And that kind of brings me to the topic of trigger warnings. And I'm not sure of the response I'm going to get. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here, but just hear me out. My opinion on trigger warnings comes from my experience as a mental health nurse, but also as a bereaved mother who has avoided triggers because of trigger warnings. I know what you're thinking. Steffi, trigger warnings help people. Like, why would you be against them? But they're called trigger warnings and a lot of us forget the warnings part and we just think they're telling us not to proceed because we need to protect our hearts. And I completely get that. I always say if something feels, if you feel like you're really not ready to face something, sometimes it is better off to protect your heart. But if it's a thing that you're constantly doing it, you're going to get increased anxiety. You're never going to be able to move forward in the process. So trigger warnings are meant to warn you of a potential emotional trigger. But from my experience as a mental health nurse, for many people who experience anxiety disorders, they will avoid their triggers. And trigger warnings encourage this. I think myself, I didn't really like, I think myself, I see the purpose of trigger warnings but I've also fell into that trap of being almost too scared to look after I see it so I might have seen one you know I've avoided triggers I've avoided films because there was baby loss in them I've avoided reading books because they mentioned baby loss and I know if I hadn't seen the trigger warnings I wouldn't have avoided and I would have found my way to cope through it And I say that because I've also saw films that didn't come with a trigger warning. Um, 
and one of them is Tor Love and Thunder, I think it's called. Yes. So, for anyone who is a Marvel fan or you want to see that movie, you might want to skip forward because there is spoilers coming in this podcast on that movie. And basically, it was the first movie that me and Dan went to see after we lost Sophia back in 2020. So we went to see that only last year in 2022. I remember reading afterwards. I remember reading articles afterwards about how there should be a cancer trigger warning in the movie. And my thoughts went straight to there should be a trigger warning about child loss in the movie. And the reason why I say that is because I was triggered. We were sitting in the cinema. Thank God it was dark because it is uncomfortable to cry in public and I cried in public. Dan squeezed my hand because he 100% knew that I was crying, I'd say. But I also just stared at him during the whole scene because it was a father. So, spoiler, it was a father holding his dead daughter in his arms. I mean, it was very good acting because... They portrayed the emotions and everything so well. And I remember afterwards saying it to Dan, like I was like, I felt triggered by that. And I was triggered because I thought back to how Dan was with Sophia, you know, as a father. And I was like, like, did that trigger you? Are you okay? And he was like, yeah. He said, I'm okay, but it did trigger him. It did, he said, it brought up his loss, his daughter. It brought up the pain that he went through. It did trigger him. But he also said to me, you know, this is our life now. And we're both coping through it. And he was like, they did a good job in acting it out like for it to have affected us that way. You know, I was just shocked that there was loads of articles about needing a cancer trigger warning. Like in any of the articles that were looking for this cancer trigger warning nobody was mentioning the fact that a father loses his daughter in it like it just shows it's still stigmatized and nobody wants to talk about it but yeah I think that was my eye-opener last year I was like okay maybe I've been avoiding triggers at times that I shouldn't like I don't need to because like even though I cried during that movie that was my release and that's like this is what I do I name the emotion I point out my trigger and I say to myself yeah it's okay you're meant to feel like absolute crap after watching something you've been through that's what I said to myself I said you're meant to be sad because you've watched your husband go through that in real life and you're meant to anxious because you're worried about you know is he okay after watching that and I just validated what I was feeling that moment I let myself cry and afterwards I spoke about it to Dan and I realized I avoid far too much and I need to start facing it more like I need to what's that saying um 
I need to practice what I preach. That's the saying. So I began practicing what I always preach to people. And that is, I started facing more and more triggers. So when I see trigger warnings now, I just forget that that's even there. I just read it anyways, or I'll put on a series. Now, if I'm obviously in a very griefy state, I have that self-awareness of, you know, I'm not going to watch it right now, but maybe in two weeks time, my grief will, you know, numb again and I'll be able to face it. And that's what I do. So I work on myself when I'm feeling good. When grief hits heavy, which is, I've noticed in three years, I have a bit of a cycle and I've noticed certain times of the year, my grief feels a lot heavier than other times of year. And I work on myself during the times that I feel more capable of working on myself. I think that's probably a natural way. I'd love to hear other people's experiences just to learn if anyone else is similar to me in that sense. Um, But yeah, I cried during that movie and it was uncomfortable, but I practice what I preach and I cry anyways and I let it out. So since practicing more and facing more triggers I have noticed an improvement in my own anxieties and even in like crying at certain movies and programs sometimes I don't cry sometimes I do just depends on the moment and that's grief I think in general um but it's really interesting because when I was preparing for this podcast I came across um a number of studies done on trigger warnings and one was done by Harvard University and they actually found what I've experienced in life they actually found that it is trigger warnings can be more damaging than helpful so like I get why they exist but I do see the damage I've seen it with clients and I've seen it with myself I've seen the avoidance And that's where I've learned to rest and digest instead. So by resting, I mean, you stay in the moment, you take a deep breath, you name the emotion, identify that trigger, and you let it pass. Your breaths, your presence is you resting. The way you digest then is obviously going through the process of naming that emotion, of reframing those thoughts, coping through that moment of heightened anxiety. So yeah. Like, I get why trigger warnings exist. I'm not saying they shouldn't be used. I completely see the purpose of them, but I can see the damage that they're also doing. Um, So don't attack me if you don't agree with what I'm saying on on this podcast. Uh, Remember, this is my lived experience and my opinion is based on that. I'm not stating, I'm not saying it's a fact, I'm saying it's my opinion. It's my opinion that trigger warnings can lead to avoidance to cope. And the reality is the more our pain is left unfaced and unhealed, 
means the more our sensitivity will grow to it. So, so as we come to the end of episode two, I want to leave you with four reminders from today's podcast. Number one, anxiety is a natural human experience. It only becomes disordered if you cannot cope and it is affecting your life negatively. Number two, remember to listen to your body's natural responses. Sigh when we feel anxious or stressed. If you ever want to calm your body and ground yourself, remember to make yourself sigh. We take that deep breath in, feeling our stomach raise like a balloon. And then as we release, you'll also feel your, your shoulders relax. Number three, this is more of a question to leave with you. Trigger warnings, are they really helpful? And number four, remember to rest and digest. Sigh, take that deep breath in and release it out, allowing your body to rest and relax. Name the emotion. Understand the trigger. Ask yourself, is there a clearer reason for you to feel anxious right now? Validate your experiences and remember the anxious moment will pass. Keep going and breathe. Rest and digest. Thanks so much for listening. Next week, I'm going to be talking about grief and the topic of acceptance. Because acceptance doesn't mean forgetting. Please remember, if you'd like to feature on an interview style podcast with me and share your experience of grief, baby loss or mental health, please reach out to me on my social media platform at Smiles for Sophia or you can visit my website smilingforsophia.com. This is Steffi, the grief and well nurse podcaster. She's always smiling. Take care.